Hello and welcome to Just Fucking Win, the preview show on Saturday at 3. My name's Andrew and I'm joined tonight by two of my very favourite podders. Uh, first of all, we have Dave. How are you doing, man? I'm all good, mate. Thank you. Jolly good. And Tom as well. How are you, man? I'm very good, thank you. And hey, hello to everybody listening. Indeed. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we were talking just off air. Uh, start here and I think everyone's in a very good mood given that Rangers got what was in the end a fairly comfortable 4-0 win over Livingston uh certainly a game that we could have had some trepidation about we we have had some bad recent memories coming up against Livingston but uh you know this in the end turned out fairly comfortable so yeah I understand both of you had to watch the game on catch-up uh both you and uh Dave Tom so uh yeah for you Tom how, how was it at least in terms of the performance that you saw from the highlights well apart from having to suffer it on, on BBC Scotland so for the highlights on that um how would you say it's, it's still a work in progress but definitely there's more way more good points than bad but and the key to all that can't well if he's fit he plays we start him <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that, doesn't, that is a good point, Tom, because I think from what Michael Beale had been saying after the match, Cantwell was touch and go. He had a fitness test on the day to actually make it to the team. So he'd taken some knocks, but he certainly didn't look the worst for it, at least starting. Uh, towards the end, I think you could certainly see him starting to tire, but I think you're right. When he's playing, he sets that tempo uh, in terms of how we play, how we get forward. Uh, Dave, how about you, mate? Aye, watching it back is experience. There's not the same trepidation when you know the result or know the outcome, at least. So I knew we'd won, and I watched the full game back this morning, so you tend to be a bit more kind of forgiving of mistakes, and you know they don't lead to anything. So, aye, it's a different experience, but it was more of the same, maybe a wee bit better. We clicked a wee bit better. I thought we created a fair few chances, probably the most chances we've created in any game. Danilo missed a couple, Dessers missed a couple good opportunities, and... So a wee bit better, but it is, we're still a work in progress and trying to see these three forwards gelling. But to Tom's point about Cantwell, I never realised he did a fitness test, but he is the beating heart of the team in so many ways. The, the tackling, the tenacity, the drive, the skill. Maybe he said fitness issues, that's why he missed Kilmarnock, but the more you see of him, the more you just think that decision was complete lunacy on Bill's part. Yeah, I mean, we spoke about that after you know the killer game. You know, part of Michael Beale's contrition there, I think it's close to admitting he got it wrong without coming out and flat out saying that he got it wrong. Um, and you can tell because Campbell's featured every game since. Uh, he he is crucial, I think, to to how that team worked. But um, he wasn't the only new introduction to the starting lineup there. So we had Butland staying there in goal, Tav, Suter, and Balogun coming in for Connor Goldson, Barisic in the defence. Then we had Raskin, Sifuentes. Lammers and Cantwell. So Fuentes coming in for his first start uh, in place of Jack. And then up top, we have both Danilo and Dessas as well. So I think a, a little bit more on paper attacking. Uh, Jack and Golton were both uh, just rested. Uh, no injury concerns there. I think, you know, Golton has, as Michael Beale said, only trained three times with the first team, uh, basically since returning back to, to training. Um, and he's been pitched into two games, so I don't think he was ever going to play all three. Jack, again, someone they wanted to monitor because he's going to be going over to Savet, which has a wrinkle because John Lundstrom won't be coming over to Savet as well uh, due to uh, a family issue that Michael Beale alluded to. So I think the idea of uh, doing some slight rotation just to keep those kind of key players fit and healthy, it's probably a, a smart move. But 
as with any kind of rotation that you do from a winning team, um, it, it only looks good if it actually works out and you get the result in the end, Tom. Yeah, I mean, when I seen Goldson was out, there was that brief moment of panic. Oh, shit, he's not even on the bench. What's wrong with him? You know, not so much Livingston, because if we need if we need Conor Gold to beat Livingston, we've got some, mate, you know, more issues than we thought we had. More, It was more looking forward to, you know, Savet and, and beyond that. But when they said it was just a rest, it was, it was a bit a bit calmer. But, yeah, it, it ultimately, it was the right decision. You know, rest, resting him needed to be done. Taking Jack out the firing line. Obviously, Michael Beale knew that um, Lundstrom won't travel. So, right decision again. Yeah, Sifuentes, I was very, very impressed by him. I think he was really unlucky with a handball. You know, other referee, you know, other other games, you know, other times that probably wouldn't have been given. But, yeah, really impressed. He's, he challenges, he chases everything, even what looks like a lost cause. So, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm a Utah. I was very impressed with how Sifuentes came in. Uh, Dave, what were your thoughts on the lineup then? Uh, I seen with Goldson when I seen him was out in Jack, your heart just sinks, it's missing. But uh, the rotation's very sensible, I think, because one of the things that crucified his last season, I thought, was a thin squad, at least then in terms of quality. And there was games where we had to, uh, maybe a couple of games where I don't think we made a full complement in the bench. And there were certainly games where you had four or five young players and we, ne- we never had game changers to look to. Whereas now, it's a big squad. I think Bill's got that right, that you need a big 25-man squad nowadays of first-team quality to compete. Because it's going to be a 55-60 game season mm-hmm. if we get where we want to go. So these guys are going to have to rotate in and out. And you've seen that with the strengths that come on later on with like the devil being able to be brought in when you're already winning. And more than ever in the league now, with the way it is, with the fact that it doesn't sell it, we'll both win 90% plus of their games. It's going to be these subs in the last 15 minutes when we're chasing games that will make the difference for us. So I'm all for a bit of rotation and keep some of the guys a bit fresher. But on Sifuentes as well, I'm very pleasantly surprised at what I'm seeing there in terms of the dig and tenacity. And his passing looks good to just still try to tune into his teammates' sort of wavelengths a wee bit. But uh, uh, he looks a find and he might break the curse in the 15 shot. And um, I think you you were the one who posted that into our group chat, Tom, and it's just a, a murderous row of <laughs> interesting names, for sure. I can't take the credit for that one. I'm not sure who it was, but it was. I think it was me. I, I thought 15, right? Who's played 15 for us before? My daughter's at that age, she's obsessed with this stuff, so I looked it up and it is an absolute rogues gallery. Of complete and utter shape, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> so hopefully he can he can bring that curse to an end. Conterman sort of started it, but uh, there's been a few. So hopefully Jose, sceptical about him, only on the basis of the fifteen. But of course, he's proving me wrong. These these things matter. These things are important. Absolutely, yeah. We're we're here to talk talk about the you know critical important issues around Rangers Football Club. That's what it says on the on the tag. So yeah, for sure. Um, I mean. We, we can look at the squads and I think your point, Dave, about wanting, you know, not only a big squad, but a squad of quality players. And certainly last season when you were turning to the bench and as you say, half of it was kids. It's unfair at that point to pitch them in and say, right, Bailey Rice, you're 16, but can you go and win this game for us? It's never going to be feasible. Whereas you've got new players who are in the door, Seema, Dowell, um, both of whom came on, all of and all of whom are looking to prove themselves and stake out a first-team place here. So it, it's a much better environment, I think, to be getting those better performances out of the team. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. As I say, with five subs as well, these guys are going to get game time, so you can kind of carry 
mm-hmm. a, a roof as a third choice striker now, maybe even slip down to fourth, depending on what you regard Lammers as. Sure. So you, Ruth knows he's going to get the equivalent in terms of like 90 minutes, 30, 40 games, which let's forget that. But you know what I mean? <laughs> Lammers knows he's going to play 30, 35 full games worth of minutes. So these guys are happy and it benefits us because how many times last season Celtic, when they, the audication had struggled, scraped the points out by five subs and then it's one who makes a difference, particularly against this infernal block where teams is tiredness that's going to be the decisive factor. So, yeah, I'm all for it. There's a few I'd still like to see moved on, I think, when Kamara, possibly even Lindstrom, just because the way he's played down, but for the most mm. part. But, and uh, for the most part, I'm happy with the squad, but it feels right and that we're going to get another two in. Yeah, I think a lot of it is down now to um, to players going out before anyone new comes in. Um, you, you're kind of at that stage where the squad's the, the size it needs to be. It's just going to be rotating options through. So uh, Kamara goes out, someone else comes in, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think we're, we're that far away at all. Certainly on paper, the squad is a lot stronger than it was. You know, it'd be difficult not to be than it was this time last year. So um, so things are looking better, for sure. So we'll run through Sorry, the can, event. Of I just need a quick point on Kamara. Yeah. Where the fuck is he? Uh, he <laughs> is... Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, I think we're, we're pretending that we've already sold him, just I mean, so we don't see him around anymore. I mean, my, my thoughts, and, you know, put, put into our our level, if you like. He's been paid by Rangers. We are playing football. Why the hell aren't we playing him? If we need him, he should be, you know, train, get, you know, play you. Yeah. If not, if not, we won't pay you, mate. Get yourself I mean, in, in fairness, Tom, I think he would still be a better option than John Lundstrom, even if he really doesn't care, because at the very least, he might pass the ball forward occasionally. So How, how long has that in and we've started slagging Lunny already? <laughs> <laughs> And I mean, he came on and didn't play too badly in this game as well. But still, you know, we, we've decided, we've we've made our mind up anyway. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's let's quickly just run through the goals then. Um, we can just talk about them briefly because uh, I don't think we need to go into great detail on them. Uh, but I think we started off very well. Uh, performance was looking good, uh, similar to the Savet game, in fact, and uh, did not have to wait long at all. Lammers for the first goal on ten minutes. Uh, Dave, what are your thoughts on this one, then? Uh, good finish. Nice to see him go off the mark in competitive games. He's got a couple uh, friendlies. He could have the couple against Servette. It was more good work than the right-hand side by Cantwell. Again, busting mm. past people, touch a pace. That's what we need, people breaking the lines. And that's uh, just smashed it in. Nice to get the early goal, get the start. That's what I've moaned about quite a lot, is that we let these teams regroup and reset. If you take the early goal off a team, they've spent a full week preparing to keep a clean sheet to the try and mm. on, and that's what their whole, whole preparation's been about. And if you can get the breakthrough early, you kind of upset that apple cart for them a wee bit and force them into a which always helps them. No, absolutely. I think, for me, the, the good thing was that when that ball is cut back, it takes it takes a push off the keeper, I think. It comes out into the box, but Lammers runs through past the defender who's in front of him to, to get the strike away. That, yeah. for me, was the, was the best thing to see about that one because it is just that everyone's trying to get forward, everyone's trying to get into the box and get a goal. Um, so that's looking good as far as I'm concerned. We, uh, we then, uh, 13 minutes later, Tom, had uh, what looked like a second goal for a second new signing uh, after some fantastic work uh, in the final third from Sefuentes to win a header and then push the ball forward and I think take a fucking cracking shot, forcing a save. We had a corner that floats in. Uh, Sefuentes 
heads the ball down onto his foot eventually, um, and then buries it with a with a quality volley. Uh, unfortunately, despite the celebrations and how excited we were to see him get the goal, which I think was well deserved, uh, VAR check sees that he heads it down onto his hand first, then it rolls down to his feet for him to get the ball away. Disappointing to see VAR. I reckon it was the right decision there, Tom, but you know it's yeah, it's always disappointing. Yeah, hundred percent the right decision. He he deserved a goal for his performance yesterday, but yeah, ultimately it was the right decision. And I'm going to praise VAR at this point as well mm. because they've done it the right way. You know, foul. You know, just as a handball, let play continue, and then took it back. You know, for the VAR decision, the way we should be doing it. So yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, it's going to stick in my throat. But fair play to the SFA for uh, getting that one right. Uh, yeah, I think that might have been the only thing that we're getting right in this game. Uh, Don Robertson was uh, on a different planet when it came to some of his decision-making for this one. Um, fouls that weren't fouls. I think Campwell got kicked in the head by pretty much every Livy player. <laughs> it was uh, it was it was good, you know. Um, but we move on. I think after that second goal, we, we kind of settled into a rhythm. Livy were kind of making brief forays forward, but weren't really threatening too much. And Rangers, I think, settled. I think we took a step back at that point. We weren't really pushing as hard as I think we could. Uh, the game kind of works its way to halftime without Livy particularly threatening. Um, and with us, you know, feeling like we're in the ascendancy, but unfortunately only having that one goal advantage. Uh, Dave, from your perspective, um, it's halftime, you, you know, in terms of you watching the highlights, are you still waiting for these other three goals to pop up somewhere? Aye, so as I say, I knew the score and you think, right, we get the early one, maybe we'll add a couple of time, but I thought, OK, right, three second half goals, I just I was a bit surprised we had to wait so late to make the point safe. But again, we, we did sort of play very Rangers way, possession-based, get forward, not really get edge, but there's always going to be, until we convince ourselves or the team convinces us not, there's always that sense of jeopardy for maybe a one-goal league that it's never, never since seen delivered, even against limited ambition with Livingston. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, Dessas, who I think is still settling into the game, still getting up to full fitness. Uh, I think it's clear that he's not quite there yet. He'd had a couple of chances, heads over in the first half, has a, another effort deflected over the top. Uh, and Danilo gets a save as well. So we're certainly pushing, but yeah, no more, no more goals, unfortunately. We actually had to wait until the... 78th minute for the second official goal but before that we had Sima and Matondo the little Welsh Brints coming on for both Dessas and Lammers uh, Dessas I think in particular Tom isn't looking totally fit at the moment but still at 70 minutes under his belt so hopefully he's getting a bit closer were you surprised at uh, maybe one of these subs here Tom? Very much so yeah I mean it was very very surprised to see Matondo come on you know I'd almost forgot me still had him you know I thought he was away on holiday with Glenn Kamara still but <laughs> But yeah, I was surprised to see him. But I think uh, Michael Beale said after the match, with you know, with losing some of the players, he's going to get his opportunity. So yeah, mm-hmm. if he, if he keeps doing what he's doing, I'll be happy. He might even get, he might even start hearing that song more often. That <laughs> if he could discover the fort, the kind of form that he had in a friendly against West Ham over a year ago at this point, then that's fine by me because um, he looked cracking in that. Um, and as I said, Danilo then finally breaks through with a scoring on the 78th minute, Dave. Um, happy to see this one going? Yeah, I always think as a striker, you need to get off the mark earlier. The pressure just mounts up. And we've seen it a couple of times with Nacho Novo, or Nacho No Goals as he was called, and then even Alfredo 
with the Celtic thing, the media have got a way of just piling the pressure on. And if these guys don't get on the score sheet, uh, it starts to become a thing, even after three games. So i glad to see him get the score sheet. He did have a couple of, as you say, probably mm-hmm. better ones. Um, still just finding his feet a wee bit, but uh, he always likes strikers to get off the mark early in the season. No, for sure. Uh, we, we then see, because we're 2-0 up and pretty much in cruise control at this point. Three more changes come off the bench in the 81st minute. Sterling, Lundstrom and Dowell all coming on for Sifuentes, Raskin and Cantwell. Cantwell, I think at this point, looked quite tired. Michael Beale talked about it as well. I think, obviously, the hope is that he'll go straight into the starting lineup against Savet. So keeping him fresh and fit is probably a good idea. But for me, those three should be our kind of central midfield uh, set going forward. Yeah, one thing I would add, and this is where I think Rangers need to be a bit cute from the media, Campbell is going to be kicked black and blue by the hammer throws in Scottish football. We've already we've already seen it, we're only two games in, and he only he played, what, 10 minutes of the commander game. So I think we, we need to get a bit cute with, you know, use the media and say, you know, start protecting our players, or protect the flair players because we're going to lose them. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, you already see the counter-narrative that's in place, which is uh, he dives all the time, uh, you know, he's garbage. But, I mean, ultimately, I think if they're kicking you, it's because you're doing something right, something that's annoying them. Ultimately, I think, yeah, I I totally get your point, Tom. I would love to see us, you know, trying to set the storyline here. Um, I I just don't, I don't feel it's viable, given the uh, way that Scottish media is set up at this point. Yeah, I think think you're probably right. They've they've made Cantwell as now becoming a a thing again. The same Mm. with Morelos. He's just replaced Morelos. He's the focus, the attention, the diving stuff, even though he's kicked black and blue. He's got a bit of needle about it in the park, so he's going to pick up bookings. So uh, maybe just need to be a wee bit cuter in terms of sort of how we protect him, because if we lose him for any length of time, either through suspension or injury, as we mm-hmm. said, the, the team looks completely different with it. Yeah, no, I, I think that's completely fair. Um, you know, it's beautiful Todd. He can do no wrong as far as we're concerned anyway. So, um, yeah, disappointing. But good that we're kind of trying to protect him, even if it's just getting off the pitch when, you know, he's got nothing there to prove apart from getting kicked about a bit more. Um, the interesting thing with these uh, rafter subs, it also meant that we shifted to a three at the back as well, uh, with Sterling dropping in there. Um, I guess, uh, Dave, I'll come to you first, but, I mean... How did you feel that helped us in terms of our setup? Do you like the look of it? It's not something I'm, I'm a fan of for us, and I'll tell you why. But it's, he has experimented with that quite a lot. He's had Lundstrom dropping in there. Mm-hmm. He's quite keen to do it. I think it gives us another way of playing, and I'm happier now. But the problem we've got is you can't really fit Tav and Bodmer into a 3-5-2, really, or a 3 the back system, because we still rely on them. So you're sacrificing actual winners, which are... And, you're, all you're doing then is taking a midfielder or an attacking player out and making an extra centre back. But if it gives us a chance to take Bournemouth and Tav out the team for a while and play a three-two-four-one and let the attacking midfielders make the width, mm. we've got another way of playing that can sort of transcend Tav and Bournemouth because we have relied on the Tav particularly, but we've relied on a Cisco wide areas for them now for four or five years. So we're going to need a plan that doesn't involve fullbacks chipping in with 15, 20 goals and assists. So it's a bit like the way Man City have been playing lately, three at the back. We, we can't walk and be one of the centre-backs. Mm. Two midfielders, four then attackers just doing what they like in behind Haaland. That might be an idea for us. And I'm, I'm keen on that. I'm keen to try that. And it gives Tav a break, but not 3-5-2 with 
Darth and Borna in the park because that just becomes an extra centre back. Fair does if you yeah. play you're playing at Parkhead or whatever, but I don't think you necessarily want that for for games at home where all you're doing is taking somebody who presumably is a better passer of the ball or a better goal threat and swapping them for Balligan basically at this point or yeah. Sterling. Yeah, no, I think I think that's reasonable. Uh, we, um, I think the the interesting thing for me was certainly in that first half we saw quite a bit of both. Uh, Balogun and Suter both striding out of that defence and pushing up into the midfield um, I think that confuses teams a bit because obviously it's a centre-back the majority of Scottish teams are not used to centre-backs leaving their box let alone you know passing the halfway line so I think it, is, it provides us that kind of unpredictability which we certainly need to, to break down that low block but I take your point uh, with regards to Border and uh, and Tav, because when we do constantly just rely on those two, play does get very one-dimensional. Um, but it's all about variety, I suppose. That the more different forms that we've got to attack, the the better we can go. You know. Yeah, exactly. We we need a bit of variety. We need another system because the talk before the Levy game was the the Levy game last year where we had seventy-three crosses. I think was the stat. Yeah. That was the game afterwards. Martin Dow came out and said we knew exactly how Rangers were going to play against us. Um, that, that there's nothing more depressing, <laughs> you know, watch it sitting there and watching that because I think the majority of the fan base could have told him that as well. Yeah. Uh, so some strategy for the post Tav post Borna era is or even just to vary it up a wee bit is definitely mm-hmm. something. Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair. So now, Tom, we get into the Rabbi Matondo show. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just like a new signing, right? Um, Chris got very upset with everyone in the uh, in the group chat because uh, we all started praising him for how well he did. Um, I don't think anyone on this call is saying that Rabi Matondo is now the greatest winger that Rangers have ever signed. You know, the the reincarnation of Brian Laudrup, but he's certainly performed well in this last kind of ten fifteen minute stretch, right? Well, yeah, I mean, well, Gareth Bale's clearly retired now, so you know, is it is it that the Welsh can only have one good winger at a time? So Bale's passed his powers on to our boy Rabbi. <laughs> I think that's great. Yeah, no, I think that's entirely fair, reasonable analysis, mate. No, no problems with that whatsoever. Um, that's up there with the number fifteen chat. Tough, <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so slightly in cheek. I mean, he came on, he, he done very well. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, he took his chance. You know, let's be honest, Rome wasn't built in a day and. If he if he does it consistently, we'll we'll give him a go. But the jury is still out on him. But yeah, you've got you've got to credit where credit's due. Yeah, the, the, the guy done well. I think I've just put about fifteen cliches in that one in that one phrase there. But. <laughs> I gave one hundred and ten percent the whole bit. No, I mean it, it, what he does do here is he sets up two go- good goals. How much credit you can give him for the Dow one is is maybe neither here nor there, but certainly for Seema, sets him up perfectly for his goal. Uh, 84 minutes and we're 3-0 up. Things are looking good. And uh, then, yeah, Dow comes up with an absolute thunder bastard. Um, honestly, it was a pick of the goals for the for the game and, uh, and makes it 4-0. So, um, Dave, I'll come to you first, but I want to get your thoughts, both of you, on these two goals and um, how the game kind of finishes up there. Dave, you've seen the, the four goals now, finally. Um, things are looking good, right? Yeah. What impressed me most about Dow's goal is he, he, is he does a nice wee touch at the start uh, to get it to Matondo, and then he keeps pace with Matondo throughout the move. He's got quite a long stride and he actually keeps up with Matondo, but the quickest player, probably the quickest player in the league, Matondo, and Dill keeps up with him 
and matches the run. And again, it's that desire. The easiest thing in the world would have been for Dibble just to go, oh, we're winning, I'll just break into a jog here. I don't need to keep up. But he's got that desire to go forward and get in the end of the, the return pass and get himself a goal. And as much as anything else, that's what we lacked last year, squad I mentioned earlier. But we lacked that desire because we had players who knew they were in the way out, naming their names. But it's good for them both, Matondo. I, um, as I said, I, the only reason I hate Abby Matondo on a personal level is because I project my hatred for Ross Wilson on him. If he actually turns out to be all right, I'll get off his back. I'd love him to be success. We need pace. We need wide players. He's already there. I'd love the guy to turn it around. As you say, Dave. I, I, as you say, Dave, we, we do have limited options there up front, but you know it's it's four new signings getting a goal each. So and Rabbi's doing all he can to help the situation as well. Uh, Tom, how about you, mate? You know, caught up on all the goals. Um, shot from Dow's a bit ridiculous, though, isn't it? Well, Thunderbass is the only way you can describe it. I'm hoping somebody puts you know the Alan Partridge quote. You know, he must have a crash. If anybody's out there has got the, the, the techno, hopefully, please do that for us. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a great finish, but something I noticed on both goals, and it's something we we, ha- we haven't done, especially last season. Nobody's following those balls in. Mm-hmm. Steam had done it and got got a goal, and with um with the other one, um Danilo had had gone in, so I had to put it in as a cross. He was there for a tap in, so it's really you know it's we are finally starting to realise that. If you cheat, you know, get the pressure on the goalkeeper, the spill it, you're there. It's that extra bit of desire that we just didn't have last season. Just we mentioned Todd getting beyond these man, Suter coming through midfield. These guys, it was easy, too easy last year for players just to hide and not do these wee extra bits. That extra 5% makes all the difference. That's the difference between winning the league or finishing a distant second. That's it. I think having more options in the box, frankly, at set pieces, goals, corners. It was so many times last season where you'd be hoofing the ball into the box and it would only be Morelos in there by himself. And it's far too easy for the opposition to cut that out. Now we've got Dessas, Danilo, guys like Lammers, Cantwell, all running into the box, all trying to make things happen. So, um, so yeah, it's all to the good as far as I'm concerned. So we'll move on from the game for now. Um, and Dave, that wasn't the only exciting thing that you had over this weekend. You also got to go up and check out the new museum up at Edmonton House. So um, we'd like you to run through your experience of that, how you found it. And um, yeah, Tom, feel free to jump in with any questions you might have as well, mate. Yeah, I was very, very, very pleasantly surprised by the museum. I know we've all been down on Edmonton House and it's a sort of lightning rod for criticism and the board and whatnot and its purpose. And there's legitimate criticisms can be levelled at it. Personally, I've sort of became a fan of the place generally. I, I go to fans on board games. The shop, cafe are good. I live nearby, so it's handy for me. So I've been kind of won over, albeit I still understand the criticism around it because of the financials, etc. But to the museum, it is it's excellent. It really is excellent. It's the best museum in Glasgow for telling a coherent story. It's an excellent tourist attraction. When I was there on Friday, because of the cycling championships in Glasgow, there was a lot of foreigners there. Uh, taking it in and it's it, it's an excellent and very big surprisingly big museum I've wondered how they were going to fit it in with the, the layout up the stairs but it takes a while to get around if you're going to read and interact with everything I was there for about two hours and could have stayed longer they've said you could walk through it in half an hour but it was quiet so we got to kind of do some of the interactive stuff ourselves which was really good there's loads for kids to do so interactive stuff touch screen t- the use of technology is excellent the exhibits are great. The story it tells is great. It doesn't just retread the history. The team goes into detail and the sort of 
history of the stadium, the history of the area. There's stuff outside football as well that's more kind of popular culture stuff that Rangers have, have been involved in through the history. The sort of untold stories, if you like. Uh, yep, a big, big fan. Well worth doing at least once and uh, probably going to become a kind of annual thing. It's, it's excellent, it really is. Yeah, my understanding is there's only something like 20% of all the different bits of, uh, of I don't know, I guess what you call it, history, I, I suppose, uh, that, that can fit into the museum. So we've got another chunk of that that's in the trophy room still. But the plan is, I believe, to rotate it through in and out. So it's always going to be refreshed. There's always going to be new bits in there um, kind of periodically, which is which is very exciting. Um, yeah, I mean, you, you said it goes into detail in terms of the history. So, uh, you know, I assume delves into kind of, kind of the history around um, how Glasgow has changed during that time period as well, right? Touches on that, touches on Rangers' place in that and the kind of cultural links with the area govern. I live in the area, so it's interesting to see from that perspective. Uh, it talks about things like concerts and the Rangers sports that used to happen and various other things. So I, it, it's comprehensive and it's telling of the club's history, but touches on things outside as well. It's very well put together and it would appeal to any tourist, I would think, would, would find it interesting. Any football fan would find it interesting, but most of all for me, I think anybody with an interest in the history of Glasgow or the history of this particular part of Glasgow, like a non-football fan, I recommended it to my family who don't necessarily feel the same way about Rangers as me, has been well worth going to. So I definitely head and shoulders above any other room in Glasgow, including the ones with trains and dinosaurs. So that's just sort of... <laughs> uh, that's, that's, that's a good selling point right there, mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and how much is it getting there as well, Dave? Uh, I think paid 13 quid. You get my just points, you need to put your number in it, get my just points. Kids are only a couple of pounds, really young kids. It's not really great for young kids, five and under. Sure. I've got one four. I don't think it would have held her attention, but my 10 year old absolutely loved it. Plenty for her to do, plenty of exhibits about the recent past and more distant past, and she consumed everything. So uh, it's well worth a couple of hours of your time, particularly. Great stuff. Uh, Tom, you got any questions for Dave there? What legends did you choose to get your picture taken with? Uh, well, it's, it's current team. It's current team players. There's not oh. any legends in it, and it's only a it's only a small handful. But uh, I think she chose Lammers, Tav, and can't remember who the other one was. She chose the. I think it must have been. It must have been. Well, Todd was there. She was. Oh, surely it must be Todd. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, that's great stuff, Dave. Um, yeah, I mean, the next time up there, I'm certainly going to be checking that out for sure. Um, you know, if, if for nothing else, then my dad can obviously go with me and tell me where it, they've got it wrong because he knows best. Because, you know, I think I'm pretty sure he, he's convinced he was around for when, you know, they first put the first brick into uh, Ibrick Stadium. So, um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I'm, also, <laughs> I'm also a pedant, and there was only, there was only one mistake uh, that I noticed. And it's actually on the dream scene painting. I'm not sure if this has been brought up. <laughs> you know the famous lineup, Richie Sheever Caldo? Mm-hmm. That's in the background of the dream scene painting, and there's only 10 names in it. Not a, My. I, 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 I basically preferred the entire place to a sort of <laughs> Rangers geek and pedant, and I couldn't find any. Good luck if you attempt it. Excellent stuff. Alrighty. Well, we have uh, two more bits of business to cover up, uh, previewing the Savet game, and then we're on to the Pi Sports nominations. So it's a very serious and solemn occasion. But before that, we have, late as ever, the glory hunting boss, Chris Bett. How are you doing, man?
Hi, Andrew. Um, can you hear me okay? Run through it loud and clear, my friend. Brilliant, brilliant. Thanks for inviting me onto your podcast, Andrew. It's a, it's a privilege. Well, you know, it's a lot of hard work that me and Eddie put into this thing. So, um, you know, it's it's good to have uh, some of the little people come on occasionally when they feel like it. <laughs> just just to obviously let everybody know, I've been completely under the weather this week. Um, Tuesday night, um, or was it Wednesday night? I can't remember. Um, I brought, that was a tough, tough um, ask for me, really. The, the performance didn't help, but being there, I was, I was really, really ill. And then I just kind of went downhill. Um, starting to feel a wee bit better now, but um, yeah, that's how I've been off the last couple of shows. If anybody's wondering, it's nothing to do with Rangers winning and me being off. There's no correlation there at all. No, I definitely no one on this podcast has made any kind of references to that or or claims claims otherwise. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, Chris, uh, real briefly then, uh, your thoughts on the Livy game? Uh, you're obviously extremely pleased that we won. Love to see how well Ravi Matondo showed up. All that good stuff, yeah. I'm not going to talk about Ravi Matondo. I'm not going to waste my time um, with that one, but I'll, I'll certainly um, applaud the the result. Good result. Um, I don't think the performance was great as it's been made out. I think it's about yeah, grind for maybe another other ten, but um, certainly towards the end when Lovey's legs went, we had that colour instinct, which was good. And um, first three points of the season. On the Savet game, I'll touch on that very briefly as well. It was very frustrating. Um, you know, I think we should have been out of sight. I think the tag should have been done. But Savet, very organised. It's going to be a tough one. I know you guys are going to talk about it, but it's, it's not going to be as much of a gimme as maybe people expected because that's a tough, tough side. Um, they're not going to. I don't think they're going to bother as much in an attacking sense, but try to break them down. If they get that goal or even, you know, worst case scenario, two goals and giving them something to hang on to, that it could be a tough night. So, aye, um, I'm a really optimist me. That's what you're on here for, Chris, to just bring that sunshine and light into the place. Um, I'll come to, you know, both Dave and then yourself, Tom, as well, uh, in terms of your thoughts. I don't think we, we've got any great info or detail that we need to go into, Savet, but I mean, Tom, you first then, your your kind of thoughts on the Savet game? How do you see that going? It's going to be tough. I think, as, as Chris just said, it's going to be difficult. Um, I, think that, I believe BBC Scotland said on the, on the commentary on the game on Tuesday, the last time they lost, it was... Um, I think there's some guy called Cedric Itton scored a hat-trick. We should keep an eye on him. He looks like he could be quite useful. But, um, mm, yeah, cl- yeah. <laughs> Clearly, it's, it's not going to be it's not going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be difficult, but they've got to come at us. So hopefully it should give us a bit of space we can take advantage of, you know, keep trying, trying, putting a positive spin on it. I mean, it's obviously not, that's not the brief, Tom, but, you know, we'll, we'll do what we can, mate. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Dave, your thoughts, man? Uh, I think we're a bit worried about these eight players they've got to come back. I don't know what kind of part they have to play them if they're uh, regulars or better quality, but based on what we've seen last week, we should have enough quality to, to get a goal over there if things are starting to click out up front for even better. I don't think they've threatened us too much, but as Tom said, they're very, they are basically the Toblerones of football. They're very well structured, very difficult to break down, and you'll never really think about Switzerland when you're in an airport, so they're kind of very stodgy teams and I didn't particularly enjoy playing young boys the last time either and Belgian teams as well, teams of that tier of league, you know, outside the top five leagues, top six leagues, they're all quite similar and it's the physicality and robustness and the fact that they never really let their heads go down, they, they just kept plugging away even with 10 men, they've gone behind so early, so it's not going to be a walk in the park but I, I think we'll have enough quality to get a goal over there, I think we'll probably... Terms of selection, try and get a bit of pace into the lineup, a bit of pace into the attack. 
there's only really two candidates for that, and I know we're on the rabbit trail at the minute, but he's one of the only ones. I don't think he'll start, but we definitely have pace. But we should have enough over there. They didn't offer much in attacking sense, so a difficult night, but successful ones. What Michael Beale's kind of alluded to in his um, press conference is, you know, both the post-match with Livy as well as some others. I think he's quite keen to get us more to a settled 11. Uh, he did speak afterwards about removing Jack and Golton from that starting lineup, and it was very much they are being rested. Uh, he was fully expecting Golton, at the very least, to come straight back in, in, in Balogun's place. Um Sifuentes is, is maybe a more difficult one. Uh, I think his performance, he showed why he should be in a starting lineup, but maybe Jack does come back in, gives us a bit more solidity uh, in the centre there. We know that Lundstrom's not going to be there, so as far as I'm concerned, that's that's glorious as well. So, yeah, the, the hope will be that we can um, keep up this kind of, at least, aggressive openings that we've had. Hopefully we can sustain that for more than a half a game of football and, um, yeah, go on from there. So, We'll part that for now. We uh, we know where we are. We know what we have to do. Uh, I is hoping that the uh, boys can progress through and we can keep previewing Champions League qualifiers. But what will come will come. Now, we have to turn to the most important bit of work for us today. And that is deciding the winner of the Pi Sports Pie of the Week. Uh, this is a promotion that we're doing in collaboration with Pi Sports. Uh, we have an discount code that anyone can use just by going to piesports.co.uk sat at three that's the at symbol and number three ten percent off pies deliver all across the mainland uk so apologies to our international listeners including the one guy who listens to us in new zealand which great thank you it's weird that you're listening to us at 10 o'clock in the morning but hey it takes all sorts right um so we have five different nominations that Eddie has kindly brought together for me uh, after scouring our mailbox so what I will do, I will read off all five of these and then it will be down to the three of you, Tom, Dave and of course Chris, to decide who who is the pie of the week. What will happen then? This winner will go into a hat and then after the other three weeks have gone by, we'll we get another winner. We then get our monthly pie giveaway. The winner of that gets a free slab of pies from Pie Sports, which... Hell, that sounds great as far as I'm concerned, but we can't win this because we're being good, honest uh, professionals here. So I'll read off these in sequence and then I'll let you guys kind of debate amongst yourselves who gets pie of the week. First up, Dean in East Kilbride has nominated the Celtic fan complaining that Starfelt has left the team for his girlfriend. Next, we have Nathaniel in Inverness, who's nominating Alfaya for paying four million quid for a smile. We have Scott in Wales, who's nominating Roy Hodgson for his attempt at a square go. We have Andrew in Cramlington, nominating Scott McDermott of the Daily Record for claiming that Dessas was getting jeered um, by the uh, Rangers support. And finally, we have Dave in Glasgow, who nominated Sutton for claiming Arsenal won the World Cup for celebrating winning the Charity Shield. Chris, I'll come to you first, mate. Who's uh, who's your pie out of those five? Has, has Dave tried? I sneak in the back door there with that last entry. Dave, can you confirm that's not you? No, that wasn't me. Can confirm, not me. <laughs> uh, no, it's got to be um, for me, Scott McDermott. Um, I wasn't at the game of the weekend. Uh, obviously, my brothers were there. Uh, I will say that he reported back. Uh, both my brothers reported back that the crowd were very, very. Um, how's the best word? Can you say boisterous? Maybe disappointed. 
perhaps angry, but uh, at Dessler's performance, uh, frustrated is probably the best word. Actually, frustrated. Mm. Um, but there certainly was no jeering or booing or anything like that. I mean, we're a tough bunch, none more so than me. But I don't think we're going to turn that. But I mean, Rabbi Maton, don't get applauded to the weekend. You know what I mean? So we're not going to. Uh, after two or three games, so nah, um, I think he's Scott McDermott's troublemaking now, so he's he's my pie of the week. Alrighty, so that's one vote for Scott McDermott. Uh, Dave, I'll come to you next, mate. Who's your pie of the week? This is going to be a recurring theme with me, but it's got to be Sutton, probably be him, mate, to be fair. In this case, one of the things that annoys me the absolute most about modern football is the celebration polis. See anybody who criticises fans for celebrating and it's happened to us a few times or oh, celebrating like that because you've beat Partick Thistle in particular that was the one that first came to but I'd be celebrating like that I'll celebrate how I want how it makes me feel and what it means to me or Arsenal or whoever is entirely up to them if you build your weekend room go into the football spend a fortune have a cut of pints meet up with your mates and then you know that you're going to have a good night because your team's won because you're happy about it Celebrate as hard as you want. It's for a lot of people, myself included, it's the absolute highlight of the week. It's the basis for my entire personality and personal <laughs> philosophy. Fucking <laughs> you know I mean? right. If, if they want to celebrate that hard for a, a last minute equaliser or a last minute winner or whatever, go for it. So this is not related in any way to certain generally. It's just the point he made uh, is one of my bugbears. It's a room one one thing for me the celebration police so he can be highly closely followed by the guy who alleged we booed uh, Dessers. I watched the game back and in all honesty I thought it was okay particularly in the first half. I'd, I'd seen the headline when I watched the game so I kind of paid attention. He chased lost causes, he got things back into play, he, he, he ran the, the line as well as he could. It's obviously no clicking for him but he certainly wasn't a durable performance and I paid attention when he went off and I didn't hear anything remotely like was suggested so Aye, Sutton, but special mention for Scott McDermott in the Daily Record. Very fair and reasonable then, Dave. Uh, Tom, we'll come to you next, mate. Who's your pie of the week? Well, I want to th- thank everybody for sending them in, first of all. I think that's, you know it's really, really good that we, you know, we've got, we've got mm. some entries, but I've got to go with Scott McDermott. It's a transparent and pathetic attempt to unsettle one of our players already. You know, There's, there's no other way to describe it. That's all he's trying to do, and it's, it's pathetic. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm in agreement. Uh, Dave, as much as I'd like to back you, we, we've got a two to one here. Um, no, no, Sutton, obviously. Fair. And as you say, Sutton's going to get other chances to uh, to be nominated for this uh, particular honour. So, uh, it, yeah, don't worry about that. If Sutton's not at every single, if we keep him on the table, if he's not at every week, <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be amazed. Excellent. Okay, so Andrew and Cramlington, you're, you're the winner of the pie of the week. So you're going the hat. Eddie's going to be good and keep this organised for us because I don't think any of us are particularly well organised. But it'll all go into the group chat. You're in the hat. And, uh, yeah, he's hoping you uh, come out the hat at the, uh, the end of the month as the as the big winner. So that's all the business concluded. Uh, unless Dave, Chris, Tom, you have anything else you'd like to bring up while we're all together here? Yeah, I think we've covered everything now. No, I think we've covered everything off. Just, just fucking win. I think is, is yeah, the perfect way to, for me to end up. But that is the name of the podcast. And Chris, how about you, man? No, I can't think of anything in particular that I can add. I'm sure, obviously, I've not heard the first hour or whatever you were recording, but I'm sure you've covered uh, everything <laughs> that was new to cover. Did you cover the, the, the poor refereeing performance? We, we did uh, touch briefly on, uh, yeah. yes, the uh, fantastic efforts by the SFA to uh, allow one of our players to be murdered. So, yeah, 
Um, Steve, we definitely Don Roberts will probably feature quite heavily in Pie of the Week when the referees us because he, I meant to come back to him, he looks like a sort of hapless character, uh, some kind of Harry Enfield show who's just wandered into the dressing room and been told he's the ref. It's, it's genuinely like he doesn't know the rules. You can see him kind of asking players, what does offside mean? I've said this before, it, it's utterly <laughs> baffling how that guy has made it to the top level. He would be a poor referee at junior level. That is just a free-for-all when, when he's the referee. In a league of terrible referees, he oh, yeah. stands out to me as the, the worst by quite a distance. Yeah, you've got to go to some distance to stand out as a bad referee in Scotland because they're all pretty terrible. But you're, I think you're completely right there, Dave. So... All that remains for me to do then is to thank all of our lovely guests. First of all, Tom, pleasure as always, mate. Thanks for coming on. Pleasure is all mine. Always good to chat Rangers and uh, even better when we actually win. So, yeah, thank you. Absolutely. Dave, again, a pleasure as always, mate. Glad to have you back on. Yeah, cheers, lads. Pleasure. And finally, the the overlord himself of our little enclave of podcasts, Chris. Thanks again, man. Yeah, and thank you, Andrew, for obviously stepping up this week in my um, with my obviously uh, illness. So uh, that doesn't sound great, does it? When I say illness, because that could suggest quite a lot of well, different things. Particularly like that it went, particularly that went downhill after hanging out with Iddy at the Wednesday game. Yeah, you know, I don't like to suggest anything, but it's mysterious, you know. I mean, Eddie's ill as well. Uh, so yeah, that's that's kind of my point there, Chris. You know. Uh, the, rum- the rumbles could start, but I. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Andrew, um, for obviously stepping up. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you thanked me for coming on. Uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, bud. Uh, finally, then, uh, I want to thank everyone who's listening. Uh, as Tom said, also thank you, everyone who submitted uh, uh, nominations for Pie of the Week. And uh, yeah, we'll, um, we'll obviously be available. All across the place. Uh, we are on pretty much every social network going. We're on Threads, we're on TikTok, we're on YouTube, we're on Twitter because it's still called Twitter, despite what Elon Musk might think. Um, and you can get the podcast pretty much everywhere that you can get your podcasts. Uh, we are available on Amazon Music, we are available on Apple Podcasts, we're available on Spotify. Pretty much everywhere you can get a podcast, we'll provide it there. And if not, Get in touch with us at contact at Saturday at three dot co dot UK. That's uh, all letters, no numbers. And uh, yeah, let us know uh, where you want your podcasts. Give us any feedback, any comments, thoughts, questions about the pod. Uh, hell, if you have any ideas or you want to come on the podcast yourself, we'd more than be happy to have you on there. So thank you all for listening and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Bye for now.